I'm just a nobody telling everybody about a somebody that'll save anybody. Amen? That's why uh, we gather. That's why we go. That's why God give us the command to be salt and light in this world in which we find ourselves in. We point towards the Lord Jesus who is the only one that can fix the brokenness of this world. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. We're going to begin reading at verse number 21. I'm going to go ahead and read you the passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 21. The Bible records these words. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him, saying, Be it far from Thee, Lord, this shall not be done, or shall not be unto Thee. But He turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain, shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we've opened up Your Word and read it. And Father, You told us that it would not return unto You void, but it would accomplish all that You set it forth to do. So Father, as we gather here today in Your name, God, I pray that the power of the Word of God would be that sword that cuts down to the middle of who we are, God, it would separate the bad from the good, the hardworking from the lazy, the faithful from the faithless, the holy from the evil. And then, God, we'd be able to discard that which is not pleasing to You and keep and retain and grow that which brings You glory. And when we leave, we'd be different than when we came. And in and through us, Lord, men, women, boys, and girls might come to know Christ. The world would be changed and you would be glorified in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. I read a story about a man from 1965, the 1965 World Series Los Angeles Dodgers. His name was Lou Johnson. A wonderful baseball player, but he had a problem. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And after the magical season uh, in which he won the World Series, due to that drug and alcohol addiction, he lost his uniform, his glove. Uh, he even lost the bat that he used to hit the winning home run in the deciding game of the World Series. He even lost his World Series ring. 
In poverty that was caused by his bad decisions, he tried for 30 years to recover the championship ring that he had lost to drug dealers in 1971. Well, in 2005, the Dodgers president, Bob Graziano, learned that Johnson's World Series ring would be sold on eBay. Well, he immediately contacted the seller and offered them $34,457 and bought the ring before any bids were posted. You see, he did for Johnson what Johnson would never be able to do for himself. He redeemed that ring and gave it back to him. And church, I want to share something with you today. God has done for us what we were unable to do for ourselves. He did it through a cross up on top of a hill. He gave His only begotten Son and bought for us what we could never buy for ourselves. He redeemed us, bought us off the slave auction of sin and makes us the recipient of His amazing grace. There was a man by the name of Carl Niebuhr. He was an American theologian. He was a writer. He was a a seminary professor. Uh, And and he was talking about uh, the state of religion in America today. Uh, The state of affairs. And one thing that I I shouldn't have to spend too much time trying to convince you is, is that we live in a broken world. We live in a broken country. We live in a broken culture. We live in a broken community. We're all inside broken families. And in actuality, we live inside a broken body that has been touched by the stain of sin. Well, Mr. Niebuhr said that In America today, we're trying to follow a God without wrath, leading a people without sin, into a kingdom without judgment, through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. You see, the price that God paid to redeem this broken world, to redeem me, to redeem you, was to give up to, to give away, not just to give up and to give away, but to, to, to place upon His only begotten Son the wrath of an Almighty God that created the universe. Now, I used to get upset when I thought my mama was going to give me a switching. That's all right, you can laugh. But I'm going to tell you what, the wrath of God poured out upon sin is more than any of us could bear. It would destroy us into nothingness, into eternal separation from God forever. Well, in this chapter, Jesus, at the beginning, began to tell Peter about the purpose of his church and the fact that he was going to build a church. And, of course, Jesus spoke those words when Peter affirmed to him that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus complimented Peter on that truth and uh, he had been trying to teach those disciples who he really was and who he really is but now examination time has come. It's time to present to Peter, present to those disciples what his true purpose is and in verse 21 it says from that time, what time after he had told them hey, that I'm going to build my church upon this truth that I'm the Christ, the the Son of the living God. After that, Jesus from that time forth began to talk about his cross. You see, Jesus is going to give the disciples the second lesson in this chapter. 
He's going to tell them that His real purpose for coming to this world, uh, that He is the Christ, but His true purpose is to die on a cross in shame and in agony. Jesus wanted His disciples to understand that His whole purpose was wrapped up in a cross. The cross that saved the world. The cross where heaven meets earth, where time and eternity converge. The cross where man was at his worst, where God was at his best, where the whole story of history, the story of God and the story of man converge together and a relationship is restored. Now I want us to understand something this morning. I'm very careful about this in my personal life and in my home. We don't worship a cross. I don't even have pictures in my house of a cross. I don't wear cross jewelry or anything like that. Because it's not the cross as so much as the person who was on the cross. But God chose a cross as a place for that suffering and that sacrifice and that price and that redemption to take place. Well, as we look at this chapter... We think about Simon carrying that cross following Jesus. We think about Jesus being on that cross. We think about Jesus telling us that we got to pick up that cross and then follow Him. So from these few verses this morning, I want to look at three aspects of the cross of Christ. First of all, Jesus talks about the necessity of the cross. Verse number 21, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. The necessity of the cross presented. In verse 21, Jesus presents the concept of the cross. You know, He'd been following, talking with, but now He begins to lay out that purpose of His coming. And He used a little bitty word there, only four letters, but it is so important for us to grasp this morning. The Bible says from that time forth, He began to show His disciples how that He must. Must. You see, my friends, the cross was not an afterthought in the plan of God. God didn't create Adam and Eve and set them in that garden where everything was perfect and, and tell them that, hey, you got it made here and we can be in perfect fellowship and perfect communion. And I only ask you to do one thing out of love for me. There's a tree in the middle of the garden and you're not to eat of that tree. Well, Adam and Eve, we know the story. They did. They did exactly what God told them not to do, just like you and I do, by the way. I mean, we're just like that little kid. It don't matter if you're 30, 40, 50 years old. You tell him not to go in the road, and he'll stand there at the edge and just barely put his foot out and look back to see who's watching him. Amen. We're just like that today. And that's what Adam and Eve was like. They just had to test the waters. What God told them wasn't good enough. Well, listen, when they did that, it brought sin into the world. Well, if that had been me, I'd have said, oh, good we got a problem now but it didn't take God by surprise no 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 because the cross was in his plan from the time before he created Adam he knew what they were going to do he gave them the freedom to do it so when they did it it did not take him by surprise he had done laid out that plan where Jesus would go to the cross to pay the sin debt of the world even before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden well that's good news because even before I sinned even before I chose to rebel against 
against God. There was a plan laid out from the beginning of the world that I might be redeemed and that plan was the cross and it was necessary. Jesus said to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. By the means of that word must, the Lord Jesus is setting forth the fact that the cross came from the heart of God in and throughout all eternity. And then he used three words there that really is the gospel in a nutshell. I mean, Jesus goes through, and I mean, he lays out the gospel. It takes me a good 10, 15 minutes to lay the gospel out. I mean, in its entirety, if I'm going to explain it. But right here, in just one little sentence, Jesus lays out the gospel. From that time forth began Jesus to show and his disciples how that he must. I'm glad that was a plan of God from all eternity that it didn't take him by surprise unto Jerusalem and suffer many things. Church, if there's one thing we need to understand this morning, Jesus suffered on the cross. If you'll remember, it's just a few short months ago when we were leading up to Easter and I was in the, the, the book of Isaiah and we talked about and we went through those uh, chapter number 53 there in Isaiah, how the gospel is presented and how that Jesus was marred so much that he wasn't even recognizable as a man. I, I mean, they took crown, a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. They beat him and that cat of nine tails was ripping the flesh out of his back and, and after all of that they made him pick up his own cross and carry it up that hill and they took him and they laid him and if you stop and you think listen crucifixion was, uh, was created by the Assyrians long before and they did it simply uh, to cause people to suffer I mean it was the maximum amount of suffering that they could possibly think of and dream up during that day and they would take him and they put a hand over here and a hand over here and his feet down there and they drove spikes and listen, it wasn't like some little 16, 20 penny nail that's pretty sharp that we have today. No, they were made of iron and, and they didn't have them things machine forged. They were big and they were rough and they drove them through his hands and drove them through his feet and there he hung between heaven and earth in total and complete agony. He suffered on the cross, but I want to tell you something, that wasn't even the beginning of his suffering because the Bible says that God poured out his wrath upon His Son on that cross and abandoned Him and Jesus, the very Son of God who had known perfect fellowship with God throughout all eternity said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? That was the real suffering on the cross. You want to know what hell's like? My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Listen, there's people gathered here today, no doubt you don't have a relationship with God. You've never accepted Jesus as Savior and the Bible says you're His enemy. But God hasn't abandoned you. He brought you here today. He brought you to this moment and this point in time so that you would hear the gospel and there would be a chance, some chance for you to receive Jesus as Savior. Have that brokenness in your life restored. Fellowship with God brought back into that relationship. He's not abandoned you, but when Jesus was in on the cross, He was abandoned by God the Father and left to His own. And my friends, that's suffering. We can't even imagine what that suffering's like because none of us have yet been abandoned. But I want to tell you something. If you were to walk out these doors today and not receive Jesus as your Savior and get run over by a truck, have a heart attack, hey, get bit by a rattlesnake and fall over dead, you'd know what it's like then. 
We get one chance to receive Jesus as Savior. One chance, and it's this life, to be brought back into a relationship with God. Jesus suffered on that cross. But not only that, the Bible says He suffered and be killed. He died. One of the most amazing statements in the Bible is when... uh, uh, when John's telling the story of the crucifixion and John said that Jesus was hanging on that cross and he had done given up the, the ghost, he had done faced the suffering, and was abandoned by God and he, he, he did that so that uh, God's wrath for my sin, God's wrath for your sin, God's wrath for the sin of the world could be poured out on Jesus and he became our substitute. But the Bible tells us that after that wrath was poured out, Jesus died. A Roman soldier went by because they were going to take him down so uh, they could go ahead and bury him that day and they had to make sure that he was really dead. And a Roman soldier took a spear and he stabbed it up into Jesus and the Bible says out of, out of him came forth blood and water. Now you know the technological uh, times that they lived in. They didn't have a great grasp of the anatomy like we do today where we've got the body pretty much mapped out. They just wrote what they saw. Didn't understand it. But we now know today that when somebody's dead after they die, there's a pool of fluid that gets, gathers around their heart and that pericardial sac. And you can stab me right now uh, in the heart and the only thing that's going to come out blood because my heart right now at this moment's pumping. But after I'm dead, you let me lay there for a while, that pool begins to build up around my heart and you stab me then and water and blood would come. Hey, John was making a scientific uh, 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 argument 2,000 years uh, before we're sitting here today that Jesus didn't just suffer on that cross. He was really dead. Well, you and I deserve a death. The Bible says that all is sin and comes short of the glory of God and the wages of that sin is death. I don't have to spend a lot of time explaining. You've heard me tell the story in Montana. I'm going to tell it one more again. One more time again. Daddy, I didn't get in them Cheetos knowing good and well with the yell all around his mouth. Listen, your little baby that's laying there, as soon as it gets old enough to make a decision, it's going to make a decision to sin against God because it was born that way. And listen... Somebody had to pay the death for my sin. Somebody had to pay the death for your sin. And I couldn't pay it, so Jesus did. He died on that cross. But not only that, listen, it gets gooder and gooder from there. He didn't stay in the ground. Listen to what the Bible says here. And be killed and be raised again the third day because He was the sinless, perfect Son of God. He didn't stay in the ground, but He got up. God said, all right, I'll accept your sacrifice. You wrote the check, and now I'm going to cash that thing. And because of that, the check cleared. The check is good. And Jesus got up from the grave. And my friends, the broken world we live in, there's no politician, there's no law, there's no governmental policy that's going to fix what's wrong with this world. Listen, the only thing that's going to help this world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, one person at a time. And He gives us the privilege, those that are redeemed, to be able to carry that message to a broken and a lost and a dying world. I read a story about a man named John Ruskin. He was an artist. and uh, A client came in and he had an expensive handkerchief that he wanted some in, uh, whatever you call that stuff where you put the letters on it and everything. And anyways, he was showing it to him. They had a bottle of ink sitting there and 
the bottle of ink spilled on that handkerchief. And I mean, the client, he got mad. He was fired up. He said, this expensive handkerchief, is, it's ruined. It's not going to be worth anything. And old John Ruskin said, well, let me just step in the back a little bit. And this great artist took that handkerchief into the back and with that spill that had, you know, just right there in the middle of that handkerchief, he began to draw. And he brought it back out there and he presented it to the owner. And on that handkerchief was a masterpiece, a work of art. And the man's face just lit up and he said, I thought it was gone. I thought it was destroyed. My, my expensive handkerchief is now priceless. Well, my friend, that's what God does through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have taken the ink and we've spilled it on our lives and we've messed everything up. And I'm going to tell you what, from the outside looking in, it looks like there's no help. That thing's ruined. It's over. But God, the great artist through the gospel, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, He buried that thing in the tomb and there He done His work. And when it come out, that spot of ink was a masterpiece, a work of art. And that's what God does in the life of believer. He takes what's broken and He somehow knits that thing back together and He can bring peace in the midst of chaos. He can bring joy in the midst of sadness. He brings life out of death. And my friends, He give us that message to share with the world. The Bible says in Him we have redemption through His blood. Ephesians chapter 1. The key word is redemption. There was a high price paid at the cross of Calvary. Not only that, we see the suffering of the cross is rejected. You and I are guilty of that. The Bible says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You see, Jesus began to lay out this picture of the cross, but Peter didn't like what he heard. Well, we're living in a world today that wants a bloodless sacrifice. And it sounds rough when we hear about it. But that was God's plan from the beginning. And He says you either take the cross the way I presented it or you don't receive it at all. As a matter of fact, just stop and think. Peter was a lot like us. I mean, Jesus just said to him, Hey, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. On the third day, I'm going to rise again. And Peter rebuked him, saying, no, you're not going to be crucified. You're not going to die, Lord. You know what? Peter never even heard the last part of that statement. All he heard was the first, and he didn't like what he heard, so he tuned the rest out. Amen. Shane always accuses me of having selective hearing. Well, that's the way Peter was. He, he had selective hearing. You got selective hearing too. I've got selective hearing, I know. He heard what the Lord said about this cross and he didn't like that a bit. So he didn't even hear that part about rising from the grave on the, the third day. I've been uh, amazed so many times. You know, I'd preach and of course I try to preach the Bible and I preach it straight and I preach it regardless of what people like it or what people don't. And I'm going to preach it like the Lord says. But you preach on something, I don't know, just pick your sin, name your sin and you can talk about that thing and, and, and even read what the Word of God says but then you can say there at the end, but God loves you 
and He wants to change you and He died for you and you'll get done and you'll get an email or a letter saying, I don't like you preaching about that sin. You pointed out my son or my daughter or my cousin that's involved in that and they won't even talk about that you said, hey, God loves you and He'll redeem them and, and He'll fix their life and He'll fix that brokenness. No, we've got that selective hearing. We see the suffering of the cross is rejected. Jesus said, I'm going to suffer and die and rise on the third day, but it went right over the head of Peter. In some ways, it speaks of Peter's arrogance. Lord, I know better than you do. But here's what I really want you to see. It was Peter's voice, but it was the words of Satan. You see, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He was not calling Peter Satan. That's, that's one of the most misconceived, misunderstood, misinterpreted verses of Scripture in the Bible. He was talking to Satan when he said that. Now, Satan might have been using Peter. And what was he, what was he using Peter for? Well, Satan would love a sacrifice without a cross. You know over there when Jesus was tempted of the devil in the wilderness in Mark chapter number 4 that you know about the bread and about climbing uh, to the temple and jumping off and about giving him all the riches and everything in the world. Uh, well, Jesus had all that to begin with. He already had all that. And, and what Satan was trying to say is, hey, you, you, you can be king, but I, I don't want the king to go through the cross. I want you to have the kingship without the cross. Well, that's what the world's telling us today. The world's saying something like this to us. Hey, if you'll just simply follow God, excuse me, and, and, and you trust Him, I'm going to give you a new Corvette, I'm going to give you a new house, I'm going to make everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise. Hey, Satan wants you, wants you not to go through the cross. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And listen, I'm never going to get to where He wants me until I'm ready to take up His cross and follow Him. And sometimes that can be painful. We saw that in the life of the Lord Jesus. The way of that cross is rejected. Satan tried to hinder the plan of what God was going to do to make it possible for man to be saved along the way. So Jesus said, get behind me. Uh, that's a reminder to us that we never arrive spiritually. We'll always be tempted. Uh, that there'll always be Satan whispering in our ear until the Lord comes, uh, calls us home to tell us to take the easy way out. And oftentimes, when things get a little tough, we want to get off the boat. But Jesus said, I'm going to take it all the way to the cross of Calvary. Thirdly, and I'll be done. The way of the cross accepted. Look what Jesus says here in verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. 
Dr. R.G. Lee once said, our preaching must deal with blood because we preach Christ crucified with His own blood dripping from His bleeding hands, running from His scourge cut and bleeding back, creeping from His bleeding brow, flowing from His bleeding heart, teaching us that neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Well, to accept that, we've got to be willing to take up that same cross and follow Him. Now, this ain't going to get you a lot of amens, but it's the truth of the matter. Most of us want to follow Him without any sacrifice on our part. We want a cheap grace, a cheap cross, a cheap redemption, and a cheap salvation. But it costs God, the Son, and His blood to buy it. And to accept it, we've got to understand that it's priceless and it's worth something. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, following the Lord is a serious decision. One of the things that I think I've often made a mistake... uh, is I made salvation a little too easy. You know, when Jesus talked about it every time, He said, come follow me, it comes with a cross. It's almost like Jesus was trying to talk people out of following Him. He, he was saying, hey, if you follow me, you come, but you better count the cost before you come because there is going to be... Now, we can't buy our salvation, but there's a cost to following Jesus. And it's a cross that we must carry. So following Jesus is a very, very serious decision. It comes with repentance. Turning from our sin. Realizing that Jesus is Lord. He's the boss. He makes the rules. I don't get to do it on my own way anymore. I go to the Word. I listen for Him. And then I must do it that way. Or not do what He tells me not to do. Oftentimes, I don't think we take it serious enough. That's why we see people, they'll pray a little prayer and then you see no life change because they didn't count the cost before they came. But not only is it a serious decision, it's a satisfying decision because look what Jesus says, for the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels and then He shall reward every man according to His works. The only satisfaction I'm ever going to get from this world is the eternal rewards that are given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what I get, no matter what I gain, no matter I can have my bank account filled up, but one of these days they're going to lay this old body down, they're going to cover it up with dirt and the worms are going to start going through that thing and all of that stuff I had is going to be left for somebody to fight over or or the IRS is going to take it or something, but I ain't taking a dime of it or not a piece of it with me and neither are you. So the only satisfaction that I'll ever have that'll last is the rewards that the Lord Jesus gives me. How do we get those rewards from the Lord Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us that there's crowns. Faithfulness. Crown of martyrs. I hope I don't get that one. 
my mind. The way I preach, they probably throw me in jail one day. Shane tells me all the time, she said, I can't believe the way you preach and people come listen to you. <laughs> I say, I preach the truth. Amen. But there's one called the soul winner's crown. Man, I'm going to tell you what. One of these days, I've preached a bunch of funerals. I have. Too many. But one of these days, the Lord don't come back, somebody's going to preach mine. I don't want some bunch of eloquent stuff said and all this junk. You know what I want at my funeral? I want a line of people to come across the aisle and say, Keith Rose led me to the Lord Jesus. Keith Rose led me to the Lord Jesus. Keith Rose led me to the Lord Jesus. Hey, he introduced me to Jesus. Hey, he told me Jesus would save me. Hey, I, I talked to him and my marriage was on the rocks and he introduced us to Jesus and my marriage was saved. Hey, I was down there and I was at the lowest to the low. I mean, I was at the crack house every day. and Man, I was giving all my money to the, to the dope man and he come and he told me about Jesus and it made a difference in my life and I became a daddy to my children and I became a husband to my wife. Hey, that's what I want. That crown. Uh, the soul winner's crown. And listen, that's the reward I want when that time comes. Well, where does all of that start? It started on the cross. Where the very Son of God let men. Let men. They didn't forcibly do it. He could have stopped it. Nail him to that cross and take the punishment of the sins of the world. Now listen, I know it's symbolic. But September the 8th, we're going to have Dr. Steve Parker here who's going to be presenting the gospel. We've asked everybody to invite people and tell them about Jesus and get them here to, to hear the gospel. But you know what? My sins were nailed to the cross with the Lord Jesus. Your sins, if you've been born again, uh, have been nailed to the cross with the Lord Jesus. And, and, and hopefully if you're here this morning and you've never received Him as Savior, the Bible says that by faith you could receive Him today. If we simply confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. And then your sins can be nailed to the cross. Now I know one thing that Pastor Stephen or Pastor Kevin has already told me. He said, "Man, you don't ever preach without giving people something to do." I said, "That's exactly right. If I ain't gonna give you something to do, why am I preaching? I might as well sit down. I mean, something must be done with the Word of God that we hear." Well, September the eighth. Who's your one? Hopefully, you've been praying. If you've not been, if you don't have that person, if you're here saved and you don't have that person on that card yet, I beg you, repent today. Repent. Come. Write, it, write that name down on the card. And then what we're going to do, I'm going to ask everybody under the sound of my voice that's been born again into the family of God, I'm going to ask you to come up here. Hey, listen, I'm short, so I'm going to have to do it down low. Kevin, you make sure y'all people do it up high that's tall, okay? Because us short people can't get it up, 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 up high. And I'm going to ask you just to come up here and Take your Who's Your One card and nail that thing to the cross. I'm going to ask Terry and Lori if they will. I don't want to leave anybody out this morning. So I'm going to ask because Lori's going to be playing music. Terry's going to be leading us in song. I'm going to ask them too. 
my wife who's in children's church this morning and Donna Aulis who's in the nursery, they've given me their Who's Your One card this morning. Uh, listen, I, I, I know this is symbolic, but I just believe it, it, it demonstrates that we really take this, take this serious, that God has laid somebody on our heart. And listen, the only thing that's going to change them, the only thing that's going to make a difference in their life is church, if we can get them to the cross. And the one who paid the sin debt on that cross. So two things this morning, Kevin, I'm going to give him something to do, two things. Number one, if you're here this morning and you've never been born again, I, I mean that you've really never said, uh, Jesus, I, I'm going to give you all that I am and all that I ever hope to be. And I, I'm not going to hold anything back. I, I've been holding back on you, on, on you, Lord. And I, I want to just go all in and stop having one foot in the world and one foot uh, trying to be over here in Christ. But I'm just going to jump on over and get it all on one side today. I'm asking you, you come. And you place your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then, hey, we'll take your sins and nail them to the cross this morning. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a world out there that's broken. I've dealt with so many broken people this week. I'm going to tell you to just break your heart. Children that need daddies and mamas because of the brokenness of the world, they're not, they're not there and they're not doing for them what, what, what they need. And the only hope is, is through the cross. Church, we've got to take it serious. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If you don't have a Who's Your One card, you come and get one. Listen, I know everybody can't come at once, so some of you can come to the altar and be praying, then get up and hang it to the cross. But we're going we're to just stay and get all of these things. Anybody that's got one, anybody that wants to, we're going to give the invitation until they're all on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You come. All hearts and minds clear. Church, we've put them on the cross. Now it's time to just simply trust God to do His miraculous work in the hearts and lives of these people. But don't stop inviting. September the 8th, who's your one Sunday? Go to them. Bring them. Visit them. Take them out to eat. Whatever it is, compel them from the highways and hedges to come into the house of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was there that you paid the sin debt of the world, redeemed us, bought us back. God, help us to ever be true to the message of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.